Let me invite you now to stand, and I'll read to you from Luke chapter 12, Luke chapter 12, and we are concluding our Advent series later this afternoon, but making another installment on it uh, this morning. The Weary World Rejoices is our theme for Advent, and this is helpful to us because sometimes we feel worried, we feel exhausted, we're worn out with the anger of the world and everything that is happening around us. And here in Luke chapter 12, Jesus teaches the crowd. He warns them of the leaven of the Pharisees and then instructs them to live without fear of people, but instead to fear God. And he encourages his disciples not to be anxious here and how we can enter in. The answer to our weariness is this restful trust that Jesus invites us into, and I'll read about that in Luke 12, beginning in verse 22 through verse 24. And he said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap, they have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them of how much more value are you than the birds. Let's pray together. Lord, we ask for your Spirit's guidance and help that we indeed would know something of our value to you, and we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, anxiety is on the rise in the USA. It doesn't matter what statistical study you look at. One study in particular shows that the symptoms of anxiety are something that 27% of the population of the United States of America exhibits. Doesn't matter the age group. Across all demographics, about a quarter of Americans struggle with the symptoms of general anxiety disorder. There are things to be anxious about that we don't even think about being anxious about or that we don't even know about. So I apologize ahead of time for poking at your anxiety today because there's lots of different kinds of anxiety. There's extinction anxiety. I can't go a week or two, I don't know about you, I can't go a week or two without reading about some meteorite that's going to hit the, the earth and we're all going to die. This is extinction anxiety. That's one of the kinds of anxiety we struggle with. There's climate anxiety. Care for the planet, which is something Christians should do because God created it, Care of the planet is always talked about in doomsday terms, isn't it? And it makes us worried about the future. There's financial anxiety. Jackbooted IRS agents are going to take what we have so worked hard for. But we have a faith, Hebrews 10.34, that is described as 
people who joyfully accepted the plundering of their properties. That's Hebrews 10.34. There's pandemic anxiety. Just cough or sneeze in a crowded place. You'll see pandemic. Oh, I could get something. There's envy anxiety. Watching other people on social media wishing to have their life or aspects of their life. There's health anxiety. Oh, is that a hamstring injury or a tumor? We always think the worst about the worst about our health. There's safety anxiety. And then there's good enough anxiety. All this anxiety wrapped up, especially that falls on our young people. Are they good enough? Is their SAT score high enough or grade point average high enough. Uh, If you aren't anxious by now, maybe I just didn't list the right thing. Certainly, life can hit you in certain ways that make you anxious at one time or another. And I want to encourage you that with respect to anxiety, with respect to worry, with respect to how you see things in our country, 27% of people struggling with anxiety, I want to encourage you, let's throw everything we can at this problem. Christians argue over whether they should engage in counseling or talk therapy or take medicine for anxiety. Christians argue about the craziest things, I think, to be healthy, throw everything you can at this problem. And especially we want to throw the spiritual truth, the truth for our soul at this problem of anxiety. You see, Christians should be the calmest people around. We should be the calmest people in the room. There is help for our anxiety And help is available to us in our worried and anxious times. Christians should be the calmest people entering the election season. How's our track record with that? (laughs) We're already working on it. At, At this church, we're already getting ready for 2024. Christians don't have the best track record. We tend to be chicken little It's the end of the world. America is at the abyss. (laughs) Right? You're going to hear that. America is falling apart unless... Speaking that way worries people, stokes that anxiety. And here's the thing. America isn't falling apart if God holds it together. And God is sovereign. So how can we bring, be sensitive? So I'm being sensitive here to the problem of worry and anxiety and really what we're up against and that this is a spiritual problem with spiritual solutions too. So the first thing I'm going to show you here is that as we think about the help for our anxiety and finding rest in this weary world... We're going to begin with what Jesus commands here, and this is in verse 22. He said to his disciples, Jesus is speaking there, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Well, duh. 
accept the one who's saying it. You see, you can tell me all day long, or I can tell you all day long, don't be worried about a meteorite hitting the earth. I saw that movie, Armageddon. You remember back 1998? Bruce Willis. They fly up there. They blow it up. Everything is good. Right? We try to regulate each other's anxiety. We try to do what it says here. Don't be anxious. You tell me you're anxious. The way I fix it, I tell you don't be anxious. How's that working out? We're still at 27%. It doesn't work if we do it, it works if Jesus does it. And he is the one who says, do not be anxious about your life. Jesus loves us perfectly and powerfully enough that he is the one who can declare that we should not be anxious. It is ineffective for us to regulate someone else's emotions. You tell me you're worried, I tell you don't be worried. No, we point the way to Jesus, the only one who loves us enough, knows what's going to happen, and has secured a future for us, such that when he tells his disciples, do not be anxious about your life, he brings the power necessary with that statement to calm them and to give them rest. Now notice here, do not be anxious about your life, and Jesus goes on to say in verse 22, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. This shows us that our Savior is concerned for the details, for the prosaic things, the everyday things, the germane things, the details of life. Jesus is saying, don't be anxious about your life, and in the same moment, he is noting that he cares about the details of his disciples' life, and if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, your life too. Nor about your body, what you will put on, or what you will eat. And so Jesus cares. He's got this. We can rest in him. He is the only one powerful and loving enough to tell us not to be anxious about our life. You know, when I went to seminary, one of the first classes I took was covenant theology. And what that class was about, it was about how you could trace God's relationship with His people through His covenant promises. And so it starts with Adam and Eve, and we walked all the way through the Bible to Revelation, looking at these promises of God and how they collectively were for God's people. And so when it came time for the final exam, the professor, he was a new professor, so we didn't know what to expect, new professor, and he says, well, I'm going to give you a final, but it's going to be an oral exam because if you're going to be a pastor, you've got to be able to think on your feet. It's going to be an oral exam, and because this is covenant theology, and remember, even the promises to Abraham were for Abraham and his descendants after him, you're going to get in groups and you're all going to get the same grade. I immediately made friends with the smartest student (laughs) in the room, and we were in a group together. And so we met for the study session. Maybe it was the night before the exam. I don't quite remember. Met for the study session, and it was pretty short because this was 
the smartest guy I'd met up to that point in my life, and we just said, well, whatever he says. He's going to speak and represent us, and so it's just whatever he says. Study session over. And we all got a good grade. We all got a good grade. We all got the same grade because we invested ourselves in someone smarter and better than us. And we were not too proud to admit that. (laughs) And likewise in our Christian life, are you linked to the Savior? Christian life is a group project. Only by faith we are united to Jesus Christ. And what that means, what that union with Him means, is it is more than just being saved from hell Being united to Him means that whatever Christ secured is ours, and His destiny is ours. This is union with Christ, like that group project where we had someone and had linked our destiny, so to speak, to someone smarter and better than us. So that's the Christian life, and you're invited here at Christmas, you're invited to link your life by faith to believe in what Christ has done and depend more on what He has done than what we can do. And so, when He says here, do not be anxious about your life, it has power and force. And it's a calling to link your life to Him by faith and to walk with Him in all that He has achieved and accomplished, paying the penalty for our sin and securing a future for us. So we start with, how do we alleviate our anxiety? How do do we enter into this restful trust in the midst of a weary world? It begins by linking your life to the Savior through belief, and then every day linking your life to Christ and what He has accomplished and walking with Him. Well, what else can we do about our anxiety? If we're going to throw everything at it, we next look at what life is about. This is in verse 23. Jesus says here, for life is more than food in the body, more than clothing. Oh, what a reminder we need of that, don't we? Sometimes we need to be reminded that life is more than just about what we eat and what we wear. Life is more than just about appearances. Life is more than just about the different activities that we engage in. Life is more than just about success and basic necessities. It is more than just about the everyday grind and the things that we're anxious about. By the way, sometimes you may be saying, "Mm, I'm not anxious about anything. I'm not worried. I'm a very chill person. But sometimes we catch ourselves not talking about our anxiety or our worry. We sanitize it, and we say, we talk this way. I'm concerned. (laughs) Right? Now, I taught you this year. I taught this church this year. Anytime you hear feel, you know, the three or four syllable feel, then you know you have stepped out of the rational world and you're into the subjective. 
and the emotional. And that's how a lot of people make decisions. It's intuitive, it's emotional, that's how they decide things. So now I'm teaching you, so I taught you about feel, now I'm teaching you about concerned. I'm concerned for our country. I'm concerned for you, Alan. I'm concerned about that test you have. You see how we do that. Sometimes we hide our anxiety talking about how we're concerned. And certainly in the ancient world, you remember verse 23, for life is more than food and the body more than clothing. H-E-B hadn't been invented yet. And we see the value of clothing at the crucifixion. The Roman soldiers, what did they do? They cast lots for Jesus' clothes. There was a culture of scarcity, and that was the problem. Lots to worry about. And so this is a reminder that life is more than just about that. Whether you celebrate family with, whether you celebrate Christmas with a lot or a little, or your family, it's a great time to remember life, what life is really about. You know, these days, not only do we have distracted driving, that's bad enough. Did you know there's distracted walking? I know no one walks in Bernie, but in metropolitan cities, you've got people so paying attention to their phone, you have instances of people not only getting hit by cars because they're not looking where they're going, you have instances of people falling through open manhole covers because they're so focused on this. They're distracted. And so I invite you, this, this is not what life is about. What's going on on this little silicon little glass, metal thing. This, this is not life. It's not life. And it's important to remind ourselves occasionally of that, that we together would be a non-distracted church community. Can you imagine that for a moment? Non-distracted, tracking together, focused on our Savior. There is biblical and spiritual help for our anxious times, and Jesus gives compassionately, graciously, reminds his disciples what life is about, that they would look up and remember what life is truly about. So, so far, what we have in our resources to address our anxiety, we have what Jesus commands, we have what life is really about, which is the glory of God, our entire purpose to reflect the greatness of God into this created order. This is what life is about. And there's one more resource that we can bring in verse 24. Jesus tells his disciples here, Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? You see, it is an argument based on our surpassing value in comparison to the birds in the created order. The birds, they don't, 
They don't even have emergency accounts. They don't have retirement funds. And God is saying here, even the least occupants in the created order, He takes care of them. And certainly it's an argument from the least to the greatest. If God can take care of the birds, then surely He will take care of the crown of creation, human beings. He will take care of you, of how much more value are you than the birds? You see, so much in our life, so much in our world, our culture strikes against this value, makes people disposable, as it were. But our value is a value that is derived from the creator of this universe. We don't generate value within ourselves. It comes from the outside of ourselves as God cares for us, and as God takes care of us and values us. Value enough that the Son of God left the throne room of heaven for you. He would not leave you behind. You are made in His image. You are precious to Him. And with such value, we can trust he will take care of us. Our value is known certainly, and we come from, I come from a theological tradition from the Reformation, which is very oriented around the cross. Very oriented around the cross. To know our value, we have but to look at the suffering and death of our Savior to know our value. Centered at the center of Christianity is this cross which is a statement of justification, all that Christ did and how He paid the penalty to reconcile us to a holy God. We know our value, certainly, at the cross. We know our value at the cross. And we can look at that price tag, that cross-shaped price tag like I did. I was shopping on Main Street on Friday. I was shopping on Main Street, and I saw a little pencil case. It was about this big, and I slid back the door on the pencil case. It was $300. Mm-hmm. And I slid that carefully <laughs> and backed away. And likewise, when we come to the cross, we who belong to Him see that price tag, and maybe there's some shock that registers when we see how costly, how costly it was for Christ to secure our salvation and to deliver us from sin and misery. Certainly, we see the cross-shaped price tag, and we're shocked. But I want to invite you to see not just the cross-shaped price tag, but maybe the manger-shaped price tag. Maybe we don't carry that enough in our Reformed theological tradition that is centered on justification. But the manger-shaped price tag is an understanding of what Jesus gave up to come here to the earth, of what He left 
behind willingly to come and to rescue us, to understand that the Lord of this universe, Jesus Christ, to see what He gave up willingly, to come for us, a humiliation that occurred not just at the cross, but in the incarnation. Our value is certainly known at the cross of how much more value are you than the birds. Jesus makes good on this declaration with his cross, but he also made good on that declaration at the incarnation, leaving heaven behind to demonstrate to all of us so much more value than birds. Help for our anxiety is there in what the Lord of the universe commands. Help for our anxiety is in a reminder of what life is really about. Help for our worry and our concerns are in knowing our value. Value that is demonstrated at the cross, yes, but value demonstrated at the manger in Bethlehem so long ago that we together as Christ's followers might be resting, peaceful, trusting, and calm in anxious times. Let's pray together. Lord, how we thank you that even in a weary world, we can rejoice. And we thank you for the value which you have bestowed on us as your followers. Lord, we pray that indeed we would experience joy and we would worship and revel in the value that we have as your people. Remind us of what life is really about and remind us here at Christmas of the all-surpassing value we have. We thank you for leaving the throne room of heaven and coming to this earth to rescue us from our sin. We thank you for the purpose and the love you have given to us. And it's in our Savior's name we pray. Amen.